ahead and turn around and wave to your neighbor before you find your seats, please. So those of you who are with us online, welcome. We thank God for all of you being with us. Special shout out as always to that certain someone she knows who she is. So good to see you all here this morning worshiping the Lord with us. Can we give also a shout of praise? Where are you? Sister Stella, come on. Sister Stella, her and her husband, they pastor the Spanish service. And Pastor Jason, you got to pray for Pastor Jason. That guy gets more vacation. I don't know where he's at, what he's doing. Well, we thank God that he's gotten, been able to get away for a few more days and he'll be with us uh, this coming week. But uh, she was able to pitch in and help us out today. We so appreciate her, her ministry. Oh, it's good to be in God's house. It's good to worship the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning from God's word. And uh, as I was preparing for this, I, I, I had a flashback way back when, oh my Lord, we're talking about maybe 40 years ago, I, when I worked in the business world, I worked in this company. I won't give you the name of it. I don't even know if they exist anymore. But I worked in this company where they had this crazy rule. See, they, there is what they call the back office. That's usually where uh, most of the uh, day-to-day work gets done. And then they have what they call the front office, where all the, the president, vice president, all the executives have their office. And they, in this company, they, there was a door separating the back office from the front office. And they had a, a rule in this company that you could not enter the front office area without having a jacket on. And uh, for me, I, I thought that that was a crazy rule, but and then I even thought it was even crazier that if you are caught in the executive area without a jacket, you are terminated immediately. Yeah, this was serious. This was a serious rule. And so one day, yours truly got called to go up there. But at that time, I didn't even own a jacket. <laughs> and so they gave me this jacket that they have on standby in case somebody doesn't have a jacket. And, and I wore this thing and it wasn't fitting, in, it wasn't my style, it wasn't fitting in, but I didn't care because of that jacket, I got to keep my job, you see. And as we continue this series, uh, the kingdom principles that we've been on as we're doing this little walk through the gospel of Matthew, which is known as the gospel of the king. Today, I want to look at what it means to have proper attire spiritually. I want to talk to you about what does that mean to have proper attire spiritually? We're looking at Matthew chapter 22 today. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Whatever translation you have, you can follow along in your Bible or just check on the screen. Listen, verse 1. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted calves have been killed. Uh, That's 
the, the English translation means penil in Spanish, just so you know, you know, roast pork for those of you who don't know what penil is. Okay, and, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests had invited, that he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for his wedding, for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now and we are excited about this moment because here's where we get to hear from you. We, we, we've worshiped you. You've heard from us the expression of our hearts through praise and worship. And now we get to hear from your word uh, what you desire for all of us to hear today. And as always, God, we desperately need your help, Lord. I need your help uh, to be able to communicate this thought clearly and with your heart, Father. And we all need this ear that will hear spiritually, that will, the revelation, God, that we need so that our, our spiritual eyes can see and our heart can understand what this scripture is all about and how it applies to us today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, so I want to break down what we have just read because there's a number of symbolisms. Remember, this is a parable and we've often said this, but it's important that we keep reminding ourselves, Jesus often spoke in parables. And again, a parable is an earthly story that has a spiritual meaning. Uh, In other words, there's some symbolism here. And so Jesus now uh, uh, shares this parable and we want to break down some of the symbolism. The first one I want to talk about is the wedding feast of the sun. That's our first thing that I want to address because notice that this was a wedding feast that was given by the king for his son. And this represents or symbolizes the wedding of Jesus Christ to the church, his bride. Listen to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. 
This is toward the end uh, of all things as God had, uh, will wrap up his judgments. And after all the judgments of God are, uh, is wrapped up on that great day, then there's going to be a wedding feast. Uh, there's going to be the uniting of Christ with the bride, the church of Jesus Christ. The church is not a build a physical building. It's made up of the followers of Jesus Christ, those who have embraced him as Lord and Savior. And so on that great day, there's, there's going to be this feast that's going to take place, uh, this wedding reception, if you will, and, and, and it's going to be between the son and the bride. Now, in our text, we see that this wedding feast, the king sent out invitations for it. He had his servants go out and invited the guests or told the guests that he had already invited. The time has come, come into the feast. But you notice now that the guests, they all had different reasons. Some refused to come altogether. Some ignored it, meaning it wasn't so important. And some even killed the messengers. This symbolism represents the nation of Israel, that Jesus Christ has come and, and now the messengers have been sent and had been sent over throughout the whole the years. God had always sent a prophet to talk to them and now Jesus is on the scene, but now they are refusing to embrace Christ as their savior, as their husband, if you will. And so Jesus now is talking about the nation of Israel, that there are the environment had guessed, but they have refused, they have ignored, and they have killed some of the messengers that have been sent previously. And as we know, in a little bit, they're going to be killing him as well. They all, the Bible says, went their own way. Now this got the king so angry that judgment is going to come on them. And then he gathered his servants and he said, now I want you to go out into the streets and whoever you meet, bring them in. Because the banquet is ready. The feast is ready. I don't have anybody to enjoy this with. So I, I'm just going to bring anybody in. Go out there and bring as many as you can. Now this is all symbolic for the Gentile world. Anyone who is a non-Jew, who is not a Jew, you are a part of the Gentile world. And because of the rejection of the Jewish nation of Israel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, has now gone out to the Gentile world. And so uh, all are invited into the wedding feast of the Son. But I want you to realize something. The servants of the king are the ones who have to bring them in. That is symbolic for the believers, you and I. Those of us who are already in the feast, those of us who have already embraced Christ as our Savior, we now become the very servants of God. Remember, we've been talking about that, right? And part of the responsibilities of the servants is to go out and to bring people in to the feast, to, to go out and compel them to, to come in, to invite them to come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. Servants are the one who communicate the invitation. 
You and I are called. And I know it's difficult during a pandemic and, and there's things we can't do and things we can't do. I get all of that. But I believe with all my heart that God will still be able to help us to be able to communicate this wonderful message that God loves people to the measure that he sent his own son to die on the cross. That's what communion that we're going to uh, remember a little bit later on is all about. That this symbolizes the incredible love that God has for his creation and the way that he has made for our sins to be forgiven. So it's our responsibility to communicate this invitation. Now, it's important that we realize we should not hold back inviting people because some are going to refuse and some will refuse. See, we get to that point, well, well, I'm not going to share them because I know they're, they're not going to want to hear it. It's not our place to make that judgment. We, we know right from the jump, some are going to refuse. We know right from the front, some are going to ignore it. Some family members will ignore it, like, that's not important. I got no time for that. That's for you, but that's not for me. Then there are others that will go their own way. And that symbolizes religion. There are people that are going to reject Christ because they believe they can be part of that feast one day based upon not their relationship with Christ, but upon their religion. And all of these, are going, that, that's going to happen. But nevertheless, we have to continue to communicate the invitation to all because we never know who will say yes. We never know where somebody may say no today, but tomorrow they may look you up and say, I'm going to take you up on that invitation and come. Why? Because maybe something has gone on in their life and all of a sudden now they're receptive to want to know about God and to, and to need God. So I want to encourage you this morning as servants of the living God, let's continue to communicate the invitation for all to come. And did you notice the servants got everybody, good and bad? Here's what that means. Once again, it's not on you to determine who should come to church and who shouldn't. Right? We, we are very good at looking and trying to size people up and say, oh, no, I'm not giving, that, that one is too bad. They're not going to come. Yeah. The servants brought in everybody into the feast. So, those who respond and embrace Christ as their Savior, they will be able to enter into this feast. Are you with me so far? Okay, here's the third thought I want to talk to you about. And that's the wedding clothes. The proper attire, as I titled this message. Now, for them back then, these wedding clothes wasn't some elaborate dress. It wasn't some elaborate clothing because they didn't own those. What this symbolically meant for the people then was uh, the proper attire was clothing that was clean, uh, that had been washed. Because again, most people only own the clothes that they have on their back. Uh, or maybe a, a, an extra one. So they, to go to a, a wedding feast, they, the clothes had to have been at least clean, cleaned so that they don't smell a body odor or anything of that nature. 
be saved. Now here's what that symbolism means for you and I today. Revelation chapter 19, verse seven. Let's read that one more time. Notice, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and the bride has prepared herself. How does the church prepare for the wedding feast? That's the big question. If we are part of the bride, if there's going to be this incredible feast, see, there's a, there are dual symbolisms here. We are both the bride and we are both invitations, uh, receive invitations, those invitees to become part of the bride and become part of the feast. But how does the church prepare itself for that incredible day that's coming? What's the proper attire? Well, you and I both from a physical perspective, if you are invited to a wedding reception, unless it's by the beach, nobody goes in shorts and flip-flops to a wedding reception. Hopefully, right? It's, right? If you go into a catering hall because you were invited to a wedding reception and you know, okay, this is a wedding reception and so I want to I, I go be dressed properly. And so you would... Uh, Wear something that is clean, something that you would consider, and they would, your, your host uh, would consider appropriate. So, what's appropriate for us as God's people that will help us prepare for that great day? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Truly, righteous and holy. And then in the uh, book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, put on your new nature, there it is again, and be renewed as you learn how, uh, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So, our wedding clothes the proper attire that we need to have on in this feast is we have to put on Christ, the new nature, the Bible calls it. And what that simply means is this. I'm going to break it down very simple for us. It means that we are charged in Scripture to make sure that we, how we prepare for that great day is we have to be displaying the character of Jesus Christ in our life. That's what it means for you and I to, to be properly attired. That's what it means to put on this new nature. Uh, this new nature, uh, and, and by the way, this new nature simply means this. It's not a better old nature. See, God is not interested in the old Carlos becoming better. And that's often the trap that we fall into thinking that we have to produce this character trait. We have to be like Christ in our own character. And listen, you are and always will be bad to the bone. There is none of us that could ever in our own strength produce the character of Christ. Only the Spirit of God can do that in us. And so these wedding clothes that we're talking about is becoming like Christ. It means that we are displaying this godly character. Now, let me break it down, what that means again. 
into practice. Notice the word righteousness is used. That means our lifestyle, what we do, what we say, the attitudes of our life have to be righteous. And the word righteous just simply means, let's break it down this way, right in God's eyes. Not right in your eyes, not right in somebody else's eyes, what's right in God's eyes. That and that alone is righteousness from a biblical perspective. Are you following me? So how I treat my wife, I can think I treat my wife right, but would God agree? Okay, baby, you didn't have to say that's right there. (laughs) Righteousness. And notice all the big word, holiness. It means that I am striving through the help of God. There is a holy character. I'm not leaning toward and embracing easily sin in my life. And, And sin defined by what God says is sin. And the Bible says all wrongdoing is sin. So that means, well, I didn't sin. I just, I I didn't do right, but I didn't sin. Well, that's not biblical. If you did wrong, you sinned according to God. We've all sinned before God. That's why Jesus had to come and surrender his life on the cross because we're all sinners. We need saving. And so we have this righteousness, a godly character There's a holiness about it. And it talks about now the character of Christ, as we talked the other day, was about demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, the character of the Holy Spirit, and that's love. That's a big word these days. Because we are living in a time where people are choosing who they're going to love and who they're not going to love. And Jesus said, people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Love is the distinguishing mark, the distinguishing mark of the people of God. You cannot profess to love God if you hate a human being. I didn't say that. The word of God says that. We deceive ourselves if we think that it's acceptable before God to hate somebody because of the color of their skin, because of their political uh, affiliation or anything else that you can throw in there. No matter what people have done uh, to you, about you, whatever the case might be, we are called to even love our enemy. Oh, we're talking about a godly character. We're talking about gentleness and patience and kindness and self-control. Well, I can't help myself. Yeah, you will never be able to control yourself. That's why you need God. The more you try to control yourself, the more you mess up. We're all in the same boat. See, what we're talking about is this godly character cannot, through human effort, be displayed in our life. Only the spirit of Jesus Christ can display the godly character that we need, that we have to be clothed in. Why? Because we are the representatives of Christ on the earth. And so what that means is people don't want to see a good Carlos. They need to see Jesus in Carlos. They need to see that Christ is real. And so 
for all of us, that is the, 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 the challenge, if you will, before us. That's the mandate that we are invited into this banquet, but we have to understand that we have to get properly clothed because if we're not, there are dire circumstances. Yeah. For instance, did you notice that those who rejected the message straight out, those who decided, I'm not go- I don't want Jesus, I don't need Jesus, they incurred the anger of God the Father and God sent judgment to them. There's judgment awaiting those who reject the gospel message. That's going to happen to every single one when we stand before God. The the first question that we are going to be examined under is, what did you do with the gospel? What did you do with my son? Did you embrace him or did you reject him? Did you ignore it as something that you didn't need or did you go your own way thinking that you didn't need Jesus but that your religion was sufficient? Everyone will be judged by that standard first and foremost. The second dire consequence, now that applies to you and I, to those who've already embraced Christ as their savior. Because you notice that there's a judgment for those who not only reject, but there's also a judgment for those who are not properly attired. When the, 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 the king came in, and he saw this guy who was not properly attired. He goes, how'd you get in? And that's fine that you're here, but why aren't you properly dressed? And what do you tell his servant? Tell his servant, tie him up and kick him out into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The outer darkness always symbolizes hell in the Bible. Now, this is the part that gets real serious. Because you have a Christian who got into the banquet, but he didn't last. Wow. I think there's a kingdom principle here for us. Listen, saying yes to the invitation gets you in, but wearing the proper attire keeps you in. That's our kingdom principle. See, people think, I can just say yes to Jesus and then live the way I want to live and do what I want to do and still punch my ticket to heaven one day. That's going to the feast without the proper attire. And what you don't want is the king to show up and see that you're not properly attired and say, tell his servants, the angels, tie him up and throw him out. Why? because he didn't have the proper attire on. What we're talking about is this. The kingdom journey, this this Christian life, is so much more than just saying yes to Jesus. That is not eternal security. And I want to make sure you don't misunderstand me, because people say, well, people, he just said that embracing Jesus doesn't give you a ticket to heaven. Well, It gets you into the banquet, but it does not keep you there. No one gets a free ticket as far as staying in the banquet. You have to be properly attired. What God is after is, I want so much more than just saving you from your sins. 
Jesus did not die on the cross just so that you and I could know what it is to have our sins forgiven. That's just the ticket that gets us in. That's not the final outcome of his sacrifice on the cross. In fact, I will go be so bold this morning and to say this, if we do not put on the proper attire, we have wasted the sacrifice of Christ. It does nothing if uh, those that we love that don't know Christ, we gain nothing if they can't see Christ in us. We are professing to be Christians, but they, people, I know how you live. Your people in church, they don't know how you live, but I know how you live. I know what the deal is with you. You're one way in church and you're a totally another way at home. You see? It's a serious thing. It brings incredible, incredible blessing, both for now and for that day when we are pro- have the proper attire on. When every single day that God gives us breath, you and I go to the Lord and say, God, thank you for a new day. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Now, God, here's my life. Fill me with your spirit today. God, fill me to the measure that people don't see Carlos, they see Jesus in Carlos. It's not a better Carlos. It's not a a, a Carlos acting better with his wife. It's Jesus through Carlos uh, loving his wife the way it ought to be loved. It's Jesus through us. Jesus threw me on the job. Jesus threw me at school. Jesus threw me in the community. Jesus threw me in church. Wherever I'm at, that's the the attire that we need to be uh, addressed in so that in this life, we bring honor and glory to his name. We make the gospel attractive, if you will, because people see what you have is real. It's genuine. It's transformative. What we're getting at, once again, and I'm driving this point home because this is so, so critical for us to get. It's a wonderful feast that God has prepared for us one day that will be enjoyed for all eternity. But you can't just stop at saying just yes to Jesus. Okay, I'm saved. I got baptized and now I'm good to go. It doesn't work that way. You have to be dressed in that proper attire. You have to put on Christ Jesus every single day that he gives you breath so that there's a transformation taking place. Not a better you, less of you, more of Jesus. Less of you, more of Jesus. The more of Jesus that people see, the more attractive the gospel becomes. The more God gets glorified here on this earth and the more we are prepared for that day when he takes us home to be with him forever and ever. And we will not be ashamed to stand in his presence because we are clothed with Christ. Stand with me. We're talking about this kingdom principle. Let me repay it. I'll play it again or say it again, I should say. And that is saying yes to the invitation, meaning saying yes to Jesus Christ being your Savior. Well, that gets you in. But wearing the proper attire keeps you in. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I just want you to bow your head right now, just for a moment, and just listen to the sound of my voice, because I want to close out this uh, morning in a word of prayer, and I want to make sure that I offer an opportunity, even if it's just for one, that might be here today, and you've never said yes to Jesus. You haven't gotten into that place where uh, you have understood properly that Jesus died for you, and you are ready to say yes to embracing him as your Savior. I mean, you've known about him, maybe in visit churches here or there, but you haven't made that this conscious decision to say yes to him. And I cannot close this meeting without giving you that opportunity. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if there's any, just one, I would love to pray for that one. Just lift up your hand so I know that you're here. And all you're saying is, Pastor, I want to say yes to Jesus right now. I want to embrace Christ as my Savior. Uh, is there anyone there? Let me just see your hand before we close out in prayer. All right, then for, those, one there, then for those of you who are on the line, maybe there's someone in the home, it, you're in that same place where you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Here's how we're going to pray. Father, you know exactly who is saying yes in this very moment, whether they're here in this room or whether they're watching this service online. I pray, Father, that they would respond to the precious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would realize today more than ever before that their sins cannot be forgiven by shedding tears, nor can it be forgiven by them making promises, for none of us could ever keep those promises. I pray, Father, that they realize today that you've already made provision for them to have their sins forgiven. All they need to do is embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior and surrender their heart to him. And I pray that everyone that does that, that you would respond, forgiving their sins and sending your spirit into their heart, oh God, so that they might receive that invitation into the great feast. And for all of us that are here this morning, God, all of us that have already made that decision, your, your word is clearly is reminding us the importance of making sure that we are pre- preparing ourselves for that great day and that we are properly attired for that day by putting on Christ. That it's so much more, the Christian journey is so much more than just saying an initial yes to you as our Savior. But it's about daily being transformed, less of us, and more of you in and through our life, Father. And I pray that we will cooperate with the Spirit of the Lord as you desire to bring about that transformation in every single one of our lives. For you desire every single one of your children to be properly attired. And even now, Father, as we prepare to take these emblems of communion I pray your blessing on it. I pray, I pray that we once again recognize what it took, the great sacrifice that you made and your son made in order to bring us such a rich salvation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take the bread and the cup together now.